Hello, Pognutsians. Welcome to Lennox for the Rest of Us, episode 228. My name is Dork Dork Geek, and this is a show for the newbie and veteran alike, aka for the rest of us, not for the enterprise nerd. If you're an enterprise nerd, unsubscribe. Pause three, two. Okay, now we have normal people. Uh, not only normal people, but we are also joined again by Bruce Patterson. How's everything going, Bruce? Sure, everything is going fine, except for those folks who make the decision to have nuclear green uniforms on Thursday Night Football. I actually tried to watch football again this weekend, and it's just, it's too much. I can't, I can't, I, I cannot watch it. Oh, bad football is football. I just want to know what genius decided a couple of weeks ago to kick things off with, hmm, you know what would really capture a nation? Jets Browns. Yeah, and I will say, I did go back and I did watch a uh, highlight reel of uh, Jim Brown, and it was maybe among the most entertaining clips I've seen in sports entertainment uh, in about uh, 10 or 12 years. We talk about people who were beast. He was the true beast. Yeah, and I will say, um, I think football's time has near passed. My uh, endeavor now with sports entertainment is I'm, I'm watching UFC. I'm not caring too much about individual talent. I'm just into it for the entertainment value. And I'll say there are some definite entertainers in that realm. Oh, yeah. In fact, I was watching a bunch of footage of uh, Conor McGregor hyping up some of his matches. Um, but before I get too far away, on a quick note, I've decided that this year I'm totally embracing the NHL. However, I've decided to jump off the bandwagon that is the Bruins because, eh, you know what? They won their cup. I can move on to a new team now. And that is exactly how I feel about sports. I root for a team. And once that team wins something, I completely disregard them as being even existing. And I go toward another team that I want to be the up and start, the up and comer, the upset, the um, non-conformist team. Um, so I have to ask because I am starting to at least acknowledge the existence of NHL. I have a very difficult time following the action in it. But what team do you think is uh, drawing your attention? Oh, no doubt about it. The Islanders, wherever Lou Lamarillo goes, I will follow his team because uh, it's really funny. The Leafs uh, hired him as a consultant a couple of years back, and he built that team that's now essentially stocked with Austin Matthews, Jonathan Tavares, the whole nine yards. And, uh, you know, after his contract finished last year, Brendan Shanahan let him walk, and I was surprised. So when he went went to the Islanders and they hired Barry Trotz as their coach, I knew right off the bat these guys are going to be going to the cup within the next three years. See, and I thought he was still with the Leafs. That shows you how much that I know. Yeah, that's okay. You know what? I think one of the best parts about hockey is that, you know, it, sometimes on TV it's okay, but like a lot of other things, you have to go to a game. Go Go to a college rivalry because I got to tell you, up here in the north, we've got so many of them. Uh, if I want to go up uh, next weekend and catch UNHBC, holy cow, that is a that's a fight. Well, and we're still going to go on this tangent. Sorry, listener. Um, my father was a Baltimore City police officer. I went to easy three quarters of the like Baltimore Oriole home games for about eight years straight. 
And I did go to more than a couple Skipjacks games, uh, the Baltimore hockey team. And I got to say, in person, that was so freaking entertaining. It was crazy. On TV, it just didn't capture what was going on. Oh, not at all. In fact, one of the reasons why I enjoy uh, minor league games, too, is that it's totally family friendly. Uh, You know, in the last uh, two years, I've been to probably, what, uh, 15 games. And you know what? Not one incident have I had beers on me yet. Well, I will say back in the day, Memorial Stadium, Baltimore, Maryland, tangent, which was technically considered a war memorial, a federal mandated war memorial, which was torn down, which is a federal crime. But I digress. The absolute fights I would see in the stands there were unbelievably entertaining, but they never once wanted to fight other people. They very specifically wanted to fight that one individual person. So when I was there and I saw the fights, I was never in any danger, even though I was literally like eight or 10 years old. <laughs> well, at some point I'll have to tell you what happened the last time I took family out to a, a, uh, a Bruin game. And that was ooh, 10 years ago. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I will say, I want to thank everyone ahead of time for all of the emails again, podcast for the next for the rest of us. And I will configure the email to also go to bruce at the same time but uh first email is from um tony kike i never know how to pronounce this guy's name uh, well if i threw my own chance into it, it i would probably go with a siak tony siak because bruce is obviously smarter than me uh hey door great topics keep it going tony kyak still alive linux mint 19.2 user meow and a tremendous looking cat kitten feline emoticon not emoji emoticon uh tony thanks for uh a all the support throughout the years thanks for all the emails throughout the years thanks for all the downloads throughout the years um i'm not going to chastise you for using lennox mint but i will say if this was you know the 1939 1940 area and you were living in germany I would still be your friend, even though you would have no choice but to support, you know, Germany. Um, good for you. I just hope you sooner or later grow out of relying on Lennox Mint uh, like so many others have. Well, on that note, what would you what would you refer him to? Well, I hate to say it, but 99% of the time in my life when somebody asks me a question, if I'm doing my due diligence, diligence i have to ask them 20 questions in return what are you using it for what's your priority do you like media do you like browsers do you need this specific program do you need that specific program and it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on which will end up in being either one of two major things is what i'm going to say is if you actually take a look at the source code from linux mint and the source code from ubuntu and you do a diff dav which is you're actually comparing the actual bits and bytes. Less than 10% of the code is different versus Linux Mint versus Ubuntu. So why are you using Linux Mint? I don't understand. You can install Cinnamon, Mate, any other desktop, and with Snaps, I will say I'm utterly impressed at the amount of software you can install that you can't tell what the version is and it just works. Um, but if you need, like, printer integration open is insanely good um if you need a absolute up-to-date software fedora i want to say silver 
is the name of it is insanely up to date. Um, I don't see any reason for anyone to use Linux Mint except I want to say sheer laziness. Or at this point, one thing that Ubuntu could do at this point, just run with codecs. I, I don't really even see what the big deal is anymore. In fact, if my understanding is correct, um, now anybody should be free to use the, the uh, MP3 codec. Uh, the foundation that has the uh, copyright for the MP3 did say that, but it seems like at least 20% of the distros are still being hesitant about it. Yes, I agree. There is no restraint now on the MP3 Kodak. Um, and any other Kodak seems so easy to install, even if you're running, dare I say, an Arch-based system or a Slackware-based system. I don't see any reason to not use them either. No, I agree. Uh, so I suppose if I were actually suggesting for someone uh, today, uh, believe it or not, I would, I would run with Solus. And I will say this, the Polish that is in the Solus operating system is very hard to come by. Uh, their dedication, it's really hard to measure, but I will tell you it's painfully obvious when you even install it in a VM, how clean everything runs. Oh, I agree. In fact, uh, I've run through so many um, distros over the years that, you know, one of the things I can say is that it's a seismic change from when we first started. Because at this point, you know, you can just put just about any ISO on a key drive and you can be up literally within 20 minutes. Um, some of these distros are just so quick and easy to get up and running now. And uh, you kids don't know what you got. Yeah, I I will agree. The um, barrier to entry on Linux distros have has gotten near insane. Even if you run something like Neverware. OS, which is a Chrome OS mirror based on Chromium browser, um, to get anything in air quotes up and running is maybe the most simplest thing of all time. All right. Well, if it's okay with you, I'd like to segue on to our next uh, uh, email, which comes from uh, friends of the show, actually, Gorkon over at Tilts. Joel McLaughlin, no relation. <laughs> All right, I'm glad you've made that distinction. Uh, but it's always good to hear from those guys. They also have uh, one of the longest-running shows out. In fact, uh, I know that it's just as long-running as um, uh, the DistroWatch podcast. Yep. All right, so anyway, uh, Joel writes, I've been using Linux for a lot longer than you've probably been podcasting. And while I do agree there are a great many podcasts that are shill and only talk about it for the money i do think the world has changed and now that the os you run is a lot less than being able to run the applications you need i think the browser is probably the most important piece of software on the operating system it's this desktop apps that are still sorely needed are being left behind for example basic video editing is there but is it stable I've edited video exclusively on Linux for about two to three years before I gave up and went to the Adobe tools. This is frustrating to me, but I've learned to live with my decision. Some of this is because I grew beyond basics, and Linux has two bases covered specifically on video editing. One, the basics. Two, super advanced. With that said, Caden Live is getting better, and I do need to go uh, the DaVinci Resolve yet on Linux, not open source, but 
I digress. Now, he also did write a couple of other comments below, which, you know, he said we could summarize or even keep it off the show. So for the short term, um, we have a lot of other things we can cover today. So we'll opt to hold out, but we will reserve the right to talk on it a little bit later on. So uh, thanks for sending that along. Yeah, and I would say it's really hard for anything to compete when you compare it versus Adobe Creative Suite. Just like I said earlier today, when someone was comparing other Office products to Office, when you start at the poll and then say, this is Microsoft Office, and now let me compare everything to it, everything else by default will lose because you're starting with a proprietary closed source stance. If you compare anything to the Adobe Suite, more than likely you're going to lose because you're starting from that point. Um, Linux video editing has gotten insanely better. I'm not a fool, and I will not say it is as good as anything in the Adobe uh, like Creative Suite. Um, and I and, and here's the thing: I can't blame him for going to that solution because it's all about your own personal workflow and about how much time you have. I have not ran anything windows in any of my environments now for 15 years, 14 years. And I never will, as far as I can tell. And it's because I'm so stubborn. I will not get a colonoscopy and I will not run windows and I will not run a anything Adobe. I will get everything I need done using other software. Well, you know, 2005, I had a metal show out of uh, Somerville, Mass. And what I was using for a suite at that time was uh, the Sony video editing suite, which was a basic thing. And the reason why I was using it is because it was, I didn't know very much of anything in regards to Linux. I do know that it was also very, very entry level stuff that you do basic stuff, but I need to do a little bit more. It was so super frustrating because you had the codex you had to worry about. Then this was also running off of, uh, what is it, the 1394 uh, wire. I mean, there were just so many barriers to getting uh, into a decent editor. And it was funny, too, because there are two things that actually um, you may remember. There was that um, uh, uh, Kickstarter uh, program for um, I think uh, OpenShot was it? There was a video editor that they were supposed to uh, develop, and then the guy went dark for almost two years. And I'm not even sure that that project's even around anymore. I do think it was OpenShot. The project is still around, but it's very slowly and incrementally got advancement. Okay, so, I mean, there's that, and uh, Joel is right about the other uh, aspect, too, which is the browser, because at this point, most people have converted their applications, uh, making them all web-based. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I get to work almost completely from home now, because 90% uh, of my work is off of web-based apps, and the other 10% uh, that I need, I can now just remote using our desktop. So, um, yeah the bases are covered which brings us to uh, an interesting uh, issue too because the thing is is i don't use chrome for anything in fact i i stopped using chrome a couple of years ago because uh, you know it just i just didn't want go google all the way and you know firefox gets me pretty much everything i need but i'm always open to things like vivaldi opera is such a mess i i have to walk away from them 
opera is like trying to justify a child predator is a good person because they do other things. Um, opera has, to me, in my opinion, completely lost their way. Uh, Vivaldi and mentioned 15 other browsers are fine, but they're all Chromium-based. I would do everything in my power to support Firefox until I have no choice. I will keep supporting Firefox. Um, and even on my Plex server, I have a, um, a documentary on it, which actually stems from way back in the day um, when they were actually Mozilla and where they actually first deployed their browser to a true, like, uh, free Libra open source stream. I want to support Mo Mozilla realistically just because they support competition. Um, I run Google, I run Vivaldi, I run at least four or five browsers on each computer just in case one doesn't work. But if you had to ask me which one I support, it would be Firefox. And their add-ons, because I always have these three. Privacy Badger, Ad Blocker Plus for the YouTube videos, and of course, No Script. No Script is still surprisingly um, effective. Uh, and the documentary on my Plex server is called Code Rush. It's by the original Netscape people when they actually went and decided we're going to put our browser in free Libra open source status. And it is a really good documentary is what I'll say. Um, I will never blame people for using whatever they use to get things done. And I will agree. The browser is the most relevant platform in 2019. Um, if it doesn't run in the browser, what does it matter? What I really hope to happen, but I'm not sure it will happen, is on mobile operating systems, Android and iOS, that pro um, progressive web apps, PWA, progressive web apps will become more and more popular, more and more populous. And I agree. I love it when I see an enterprise application come across my dashboard at work and it's a web application, I then know it's much easier for me to A, monitor it's working right, B, migrate it from server to server, and C, actually be able to get into the details and understand how it actually works. Now, one quick thing I have to do, too, before I get too much further, uh, I want to make a disclaimer. I made a mistake last week. Uh, we were talking, you would ask me the question of how long have I been on a Linux network at home? And I lied. I used only the best lies, though. Um, actually, I don't have a Linux network. I've never had one. Um, I've only used Linux systems on my router, which came by default. So there, I should clear that up first. Well, I hate to say it, but I never count the router operating system as one of the uh, devices on the network, I always consider everything connected to the router as being what your network is. Yeah, well, I just wanted to make that clarification because, you know, I think the thing is, is that if I were worth my weight in, you know, in salt in this case, uh, I probably that's one aspect I should probably take more control over. I understand, and I'm a little bit hesitant to do so. It's one of those things I would like to do. I'm not sure I have the time available to dedicate towards it. 
Yeah, actually, I have to say I have the opposite, so maybe I should embrace this a little more. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, did you want to wrap up on the last email? Yeah, uh, last email was from Mark, and it goes, um, uh, Door, thanks for the podcast. It said what I thought for a while, RMS is crazy, and that's all there is to it. He has He may have been brilliant at one time in the distant past, but I have been hoping that he would go away. As far as the Linux desktop, I've had the Linux desktop. I've had the Linux root on every device I own for the past 17 years. Google Docs helped a lot with that. But even when it is rarely used anymore as to Microsoft, I have no trust in them and hope you are wrong about ex- extinguishing Linux. I would not get anything done if it wasn't for that a another thing as far as the podcast push commercials i stopped listening to them it wastes time and we have only so much of it uh thanks again for your insights mark from illinois um i will say i find it comically hysterical in not a haha kind of way when i listen to a podcast and they have an ad for it's, I believe the company is called Better Health, where they ask you, is there something interfering with your happiness? Is there something stopping you from getting things done? And I stop and think, yes, ads, ads are stopping me from my happiness. Um, I, <laughs> Mark, oh, Bruce, I, 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 I ain't gonna lie to you. Yesterday alone, I listened to more than 36 hours of podcast and the amount of ads in them are literally insane. I cannot believe listeners are okay with the amount of ads they listen to, but apparently they are. Uh, RMS is crazy from the email. Yes, we have known he's been crazy for years. I'm almost happy that we don't have to deal with him anymore. Um, uh, 17 years is a very long time to have been a Linux-only system. I believe for me it's been about 13 years. Yeah, I'm running in those same circles. Um, one comment I would like to pick up on is uh, the Microsoft one, because what I find interesting is that Microsoft is almost like a, a cancer in a way, in that, so what happens is that in an enterprise setting, they've uh, they've dictated our emails, and now that they've dictated uh, their emails, They've also decided that we need the office suite, we totally have, and now they're pushing teams on us, which again, uh, I've been a Slack user now for the last five years and nobody's gonna take away my Slack, but it's amazing how interested these applications are getting because now you have no choice. They're pushing it through and and the way these so- the uh, software is being set up is that you're automatically logged into Teams. There is no opt-out. Now, there's one thing I don't need to be bothered by is the thing is is that in the setting that I'm in, that means anyone, anyone on our network of roughly 15,000 people can decide if they have a problem, they can reach me directly. That is not going to happen with me. All they got to do is type the at symbol and start typing the name Bruce, and voila, there you are. Um. I'll just say this. I am impressed at Microsoft acknowledging that email should be for external users. T 
teams should be for internal users. I think it's literally a security maneuver that they're doing that they understand email is the number one uh, propagation route for exploits. So if they can keep internal communications limited to teams, I think it will help security in the end. Um, teams is nothing more than a unbelievably cheap ripoff of Slack or Mattermost. Um, but I am utterly impressed at the amount of polish that they provide on that platform. And I will say Microsoft, um, extend, embrace, extinguish. If you're in the middle of extending and embracing, you have no idea if their actual goal is to extinguish or to embellish. We don't know what their actual intent is. I will say, I suspect it's embrace, you know, extend, embrace, and then extinguish, but I'm just guessing. So one of the things that I'll be very brief on this point. So one of the reasons why I brought down CentOS 8 is that, um, you know, in the setting that I have at work, uh, home, I, I really can run just about everything. I, well, actually, no, I can totally run everything I need from the two-factor authentication we're using to the uh, AnyConnect VPN client we're using, all of that. And so I think that with the testing that I'm finally done at home, now what I can do is take my enterprise laptop and format it to CentOS, and now it's not going to push anything through to my machine that I don't want pushed down. So that's another reason to embrace Linux in the workplace where you can. So that's all I'll say about enterprise and end. And I'll say you're exactly right. That's the, one of the biggest benefits to the enterprise ecosystem is because of other operating systems embracing, maybe to extinguish, but embracing open source philosophies. It's allowing us to enter their ecosystem with non-proprietary operating systems and still be able to get what we need done done. Correct. So... Bringing it down to a more, uh, well, bringing it down to a, a regular user level. So for CentOS at home, uh, because it is my primary desktop, there's a lot of things you can still do with it too. I mean, just because it's uh, geared towards it doesn't mean you have to use it just for that. Because I, I do all the other things I would normally do with any other distro. Um, you know, I run Rhythmbox. Uh, I record all the DistroWatch shows using Audacity on it. Uh, G Potter catches all my podcasts. Um, and, uh, you know, every, if the videos through YouTube, everything works as it's expected to. So, you know, at some days I might decide to take that extra step and start recording uh, guitar. So, um, you know, those... What I can't get through the regular distros in CentOS 8 right now as they're still building out the uh, uh, EPIL um, uh, repos, uh, you can supplement very well with Flatpak, and I love Flatpak. Yeah, and I will say AppImage, Snap, and Flatpak. I love the fact that you can be running a multi-year-old operating system. doesn't matter if it's RPM-based, deb-based, or anything else. But using those three mechanisms, those three transport layers, you're able to get the most up-to-date software that is available for any other distribution with minimal amounts of friction. And the example I'm going to use is the link I sent you there, um, 
Bruce, uh, from September 29th, uh, open source voice chat mumble has a big release after 10 years of being stagnant. Uh, mumble got an update. And if you're on the newest or newer Ubuntu, even from four years ago, you can simply type sudo space snap space install space mumble and you'll get the very newest mumble which is typically only afforded to uh debian um the unstable version or the ubuntu the very newest of the newest version that you can get in literally a multi-year old version of debian or ubuntu i'm very happy to see open source software like this being updated but i have to have to say Okay, Bruce, I might be completely wrong with this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, the it's false statement goes out on a limb to say this is open source voice software that has been used to record podcasts. I almost have no hesitation in saying this. Nobody on the face of the planet Earth was using Mumble before Linux Basics was using Mumble to record podcasts. I have no hesitation in saying I was the person who started shoving Mumble down everyone else's throats to use to record podcasts. And now it seems like podcasts that used to use TeamSpeak, that used to use Skype, that used to use Asterix, that used to use Voice over IP are now all using Mumble. And I like to believe I helped at least propagate that to happening. Oh, I believe full ups to you for that, because I do remember a specific podcast back in the day that would actually say, as you've mentioned to them, to use Mumble, because I also remember when Tilts gave their, uh, started moving over to using Mumble, because that was one of the things that it had always forever haunted them was the uh, the quality of the podcast because they were they were homebrewing everything and uh oh boy i'll tell you you're correct i mean just about everybody that i know now uses mumble for these podcasts um yeah it's a trailblazing badge you can hang your hat on well and i'm happy to say me and bruce right now are communicating on mumble because it works and i love the fact that these scummy expletives at it floss mention late night linux some low grade low class european people who caught on to the trend literally a decade after other podcasts have recorded mumble go ahead it floss Mention them because you think it's going to add to your SEO, your search engine optimization, because you have no other goal in the universe except to increase your SEO, where we here at Linux for the rest of us only really care about providing truth in podcasting, not what makes for good click rate through. Exactly. (laughs) Although, you know, it's funny. I've always wondered, you know, if what would happen if we decided one day to just simply lose our minds, you'll never guess what happened next. Click here to find out. Oh, we're not far from that. Um, and I will say I used to host the server myself, but what I figured out was it was very biased then towards my connection. So what I did was I went to another service right now we're using, I want to say it's called voice command center, voice control center where I'm paying for my hosting. Um, 
it's predominantly a TeamSpeak based service, but they offer mumble services. And I will say I have up to 20 connections and it literally costs me less than I want to say $4 a year. Um, Mumble hosting is insanely affordable. And I will say, I love the fact they also mentioned in this website that they've had over 100 simultaneous voice connections on Linux basics. I know at one point in time, we had over 150 voice connections at one point in time. So yeah, again, they're about 15 years behind in what actually has happened. Um, if you need any kind of mumble hosting, um, it's out there. It's free or it's unbelievably cheap. And if you need to use a server and you can't afford it, simply send me an email podcast at Linux for the rest of us.com. I have literally in the last year spent over between you and me, Bruce, um, $8,000 on more community based upliftment and not on myself. And I have no problem helping any other podcasts out there that needs hosting support. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of coin. That's a lot of coin. It is, but at the same token, um, I feel like if I spend it on myself, it's wasted. Where if I spend it on others, it's an investment. Um, between you and me, Bruce, I'm really happy to say uh, in the last nine months, I've helped eight people out of what I would consider to be utter poverty into actually having a address that is an actual address and actual jobs where they're able to at least afford their own rent. Yeah, that's very cool. Boy, you know, you have to be thought of as a savior to those people because, boy, having been down and out before many years back, you know, that's when you don't think any relief is coming. That's a pretty cool thing. Well, that's the thing. I'm just thought of as the guy who's a drunk who just understands a little bit more than they do, and that's it. Well, as for me, no, I'm that complete idiot you thought I was. <laughs> and I'll say this. um Mumble provides unbelievable quality, unbelievable ease of use once you get it installed, once you get it configured, which can be a slight bit painful. I've also helped a guy at work where he's able to now easily communicate with multiple family members spread over hundreds of miles back in India. And he has a couple of family members that are in, I can't remember the name of the country, but it's North west of afghanistan where he can communicate with them freely and openly and securely where no government is controlling the the actual server uh when it comes to mumble first and foremost is the availability of freedom of connections you can literally set up your own server you can literally communicate with anybody you want to and you don't have to worry about having to rely on good governmental connections yeah, more importantly, you don't have to worry about your own connections. They don't have to be T1. They don't have to be cable. I think we've run, um, in fact, going back in the early days of Linux for the rest of us, I was actually running off of a 56K modem. Yeah, and I will say you weren't the only one using an incredibly low bandwidth connection, and yet we were able to understand everyone completely intelligibly unlike with the like a uh, skype like solution now one of the other benefits too is that uh for just a few more dollars 
your personal rig. Uh, you can get a very decent microphone for, I would say, roughly anywhere from if you want to if you want to go crazy, you could go into like the fifty to a hundred dollar range. When you get into that, that's kind of what I did. I got a, a Samson unidirectional mic for uh, seventy bucks, and I got to tell you. Uh, well, I guess our listeners can judge from the uh, sound that or the quality that they're getting out of this podcast today. Oh, and I can tell you right now, Bruce, 90% of the podcasts out there, because again, I listened to 36 hours of podcasts yesterday, they use much lesser quality mics. Um, that mic you have is a omnidirectional dynamic mic, which means it only basically picks up um audio that's directly directed towards it um it's not hard to have good audio it's not hard to have respectable audio uh and for everyone out there listening to dare i say propaganda ad laden podcast you'll soon realize if you actually tone your ear towards it that a lot of those podcasts have much worse audio quality yeah, and again, like I said, it's uh, surprising just the small amount of money just to get you up and starting. So, And actually, I just realized why you would know my mic, because you were the one that suggested it. Yeah, Samson, S-O-M-S-O-N, actually has a good range of microphones for a very fair price. Yep, and that's exactly what I have. Very cool, Bruce. Um, do you have any other topics you felt like you had to bring this week? No, I wanted to address mainly the, the sort of follow-up on the CentOS and Flatpak because uh, one of the issues that a lot of folks are mentioning, at least on the CentOS 8 boards right now, is the lack of software available in the repos. And it's kind of surprising because I actually spoke to Jesse Smith about this um, over at DistroWatch a couple of uh, days ago. He was really actually disappointed more than anything else because uh let's see red hat 8 came out in may so you know granted we knew that this was going to be a significant change in this version of centos and we did realize it was going to take a couple of months but what didn't keep up with the development was the software available it's interesting because if you look at it uh there's a one of the board moderators in uh the centos channel uh makes the the comment that you know we have to have a centos based or centos 8 machine in order to develop the software and um, I'm a little surprised at that, but I mean, you know, again, this is a sizable change. So hopefully more of the software will become available over time, but uh, I couldn't wait for that. And that's why I think Flatpak is the big savior here. Now, I also know that among some of the other items that to also take care of too. Uh, so the EPEL or EPEL repo is the main uh, software repo that folks are getting from RPM Fusion actually doesn't have anything right now for this uh, particular run or actually of what I did look at um, uh, there's still a lot of surprising software so the ones I needed to get up and running was Audacity um, LeafPad and I'm kind of surprised because uh, the uh, default desktop in CentOS 8 Hey Bruce, sorry, I'm back Oh, okay, I just figured I'd it fill up the time oh, so anyway uh one of the other items too was uh uh let's see uh 
a default desktop is GNOME. And what really surprised me is that uh, LeafPad, which is a GNOME application, was not included by default, nor was it even in the default repos. So I was really surprised at a lot of the, the software that was missing. I think I was definitely hearing some lag there. Yeah, how about now? What you were talking about, uh, CentOS and flat packs and package availability. Yes. Yeah, so right now, hopefully, uh, we'll see what the next couple of uh, weeks. But for now, I've been monitoring the uh, the CentOS boards for any other developments or things uh, folks are having a hard time with. But surprisingly, very little trouble with hardware so far. We'll knock on wood there. There have been maybe one or two uh, um, display issues, but I think that's because they're also using uh, Radeon. And if you go to the Radeon site, I'm shocked they actually have Red Hat 8 package drivers. So you may want to consider that if you're having issues after installing CentOS. One of the things I think that Snap, Flatpak, AppImage are allowing is they're allowing the app base operating system to be a little bit less compliant and they're allowing the um, snap flat pack app image ecosystem to keep them up to date to where, you know, we can get more up to date software where we don't have to rely on the base operating system, but we can rely on these third party application supplying systems to do so. Well, that was one of the concerns Jesse had, too. On one hand, he get the fact that it allows them to work overhead. Uh, but, you know, again, to, to let the software go, it's a little concerning. Okay, it looks like we might have mumble issues. I'm going to guess it's version differences that are causing the issue. I want to thank Bruce for coming out. I want to thank everyone for sending their emails in. I want to thank for everyone for their supports. I want to thank for everyone for their downloads. I want to thank everyone for sharing these links on any platform they see. Anything? Uh, I want to uh, also, again, remind everyone, whatever you do, do not forget, always look for the newest software. See if you can break it like me and Bruce do. But never again forget that if you do not have root, you do not know who does. I want to thank everyone for coming out again, and I will talk to everyone again real soon.